This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily, Ian Bailey, the condemned man, and the cold case review. So I was bonfired on a pyre of lies. Such were the statements that had been collected here, which had, many of them had been rejected and withdrawn, and yet the French still went ahead and used that as bona fide evidence. Ian Bailey claimed that Ariana Ballerina was coerced into giving an interview, but I've spoken to the director of the Netflix series, and he's branded that absolute and total nonsense. It's been almost 26 years since French filmmaker Sophie Toscane Duplantier was murdered in West Cork. And it's a story that continues to fascinate people both at home and abroad. A woman whose body has been found in a remote area in County Cork. The brutal murder of Sophie Tuscan du Plantier has shocked the public. She was a French lady. They were the last person spoke to her, except whoever saw her after me. And now the Gardaí have launched cold case review into her death with new developments in DNA testing and fresh witness statements forming the backbone of their investigation. If we felt that there was, there was to be no hope in this, we wouldn't undertake it. My family and I, we are deeply involved in the fight for the justice of my mother. I'm Siobhan Maguire and today on the Indo Daily, we'll be speaking to the chief suspect in the original investigation, Ian Bailey, but first to Irish political correspondent Senan Maloney to hear more about this cold case review. The investigation into the murder of Sophie Tuscan de Plantier is based in Bandengarda Station in Cork and the serious crime review team, which has now been called in to assist the investigation, is expected to begin work next month. Senan, can we talk about this Garda cold case review now? Why now and what kind of technology will be employed to try and, and help them in uh, their search for Sophie's killer? Well, I think there's no doubt now that the, 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 the two um, documentaries that came out, Murder on the Cottage by Jim Sheridan and the Netflix uh, documentary by John Dower, where, um, were, were, uh, and the level of viewing that they achieved, not just in Ireland, but overseas, I think they played a major part in creating uh, momentum, as did the uh, personal request from the President of France, Emmanuel Macron, to the Taoiseach to take up this matter on foot of the conviction of Ian Bailey by the Paris Court of Assizes 
sitting with three judges in 2019, which resulted in Ian Bailey being sentenced in absentia to 25 years imprisonment. And Mr. Macron has been trying to advance the French contention that Ian Bailey should be extradited. That has been comprehensively ruled on by the Irish courts, but the French appear to believe that there is still uh, a possibility that might be brought about. Uh, and there, there, there are discussions going on at that level. But it seems now that the uh, that the Gardaí, having once again carried out a, a, a review of all matters, believe there is something uh, further there. And in fact, those two documentaries resulted in more people coming forward, over a dozen new statements, I believe. And of course, the um, great, greater impetus to the continuing investigation, uh, which has been operating in p- parallel, this c- case has never been closed and Gardaí have been carrying out uh, new statements and, in fact, interviewing people, um, again, who first gave statements 25 years ago. So there's much to go on, and the Garda commissioner himself, uh, Drew Harris, has said that this is not a box-ticking exercise, and there are fresh elements. So that's where we are. Where the Gardaí may go... um, uh, I think there's certainly, uh, as the Taoiseach alluded to when opening uh, a refurbished Fitzgibbon Street Garda station uh, on Monday, uh, he said there have been advances in, in new technology. And certainly um, there's an, the, the intriguing possibility of the Garda borrowing from the Dutch uh, a device known as an MVAC, which is a kind of, you know, to simplify it, it's almost like a carpet cleaner hoover uh, insofar as it can, it can remove um, particles of DNA that are buried in porous surfaces, such as carpets or indeed rocks. And it was a very similar case of a crystal Beslanovic, whose body was found uh, out uh, in the desert outside Salt Lake City in Utah exactly a year before Sophie, and her head had been demolished effectively by by stones. And swabbing, surface swabbing, produced nothing except her own blood. But it was when the MVAC was applied to the porous surfaces that um, that DNA material was recovered that identified a culprit and a man subsequently was jailed for life. So there were a number of intriguing possibilities for this reinvestigation. Um, Ian Bailey in the past has said he believes um, the culprit is dead. It would appear that the Gardaí and authorities believe otherwise because the um, the insistence of the Taoiseach and the Minister for Justice is about bringing someone to justice, if that can be done. Ian Bailey, you were 39 years of age when Sophie was murdered. You're 65 now. And this review of the case is something you've been calling for for some time. So can I assume you welcome it? Uh, yes, I do. Um I wrote to the Commissioner Drew Harris um, as a clean pair of hands to do this case um, last March. And I asked him to, I I pointed out the fact that my life had been basically ruined for a quarter of a century and asked him to carry out a review and he's acceded to that request. So I think this next phase is not going to be done and dusted for quite a long while. I don't know how long. You mentioned there that your life has been ruined for over a quarter of a century. Well, it, it, it's been severely interfered with, as was the life of my former partner, Jules Thomas, as well, and a number of other people, by a false accusation which was created and perpetuated and has 
you know, I don't know if it's, it's still lingering on. You know, I had nothing to do with this crime. I'm a reporter, um, you know, in, in the past I was a Fleet Street reporter and I was good at my job and I was just reporting on the case. And then, you know, in February of 1997, uh, both myself and my partner were arrested for the first time. Um, we were then subsequently both arrested again and accused of the crime, you know, with no evidence, no, no evidence whatsoever, just a, a desire to put me in the frame. And tell me, Ian, how does that weigh down on everyday life? Can you give me an idea of, of what you have gone through? Well, there have been different phases. The first 10 years was pretty hellish because I was tending to feel very sorry for myself and victimised and I was drinking too much and uh, I sort of hit rock bottom. But then I came back up and, you know, back in uh, 2007, I applied to go to UCC and I subsequently spent five years at UCC and came away with three degrees of law, including a first-class master's. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've tried to make the best out of my situation. And of course, last year was very, uh, to say it was traumatic for me was, was, was an understatement because last year, you know, my long-term partner, Miss Thomas, told me our journey was over. And then two documentaries came out, the Jim Sheridan documentary first and then, then Netflix, which the Netflix, um, I haven't seen the whole program um, or the whole episodes but there was contained within the Netflix uh, narrative uh, another dirty, rotten, stinking lie to do with a, a long black coat that I once used to possess. And the suggestion in the Netflix, which is a completely false a piece of erroneous information, is that I somehow was wearing the I think the suggestion is I was wearing the coat on the night of the crime, uh, and then I destroyed the coat. Well. Everybody who's seen the file knows that the first item listed and items taken from me on the first arrest, guess what it was? Long black coat, which was, I know, I don't know what happened to it. So anyway, back to more um, um, current things. So we heard last week that the, the this, this cold case review had been sanctioned. I'd made it clear from the start I was prepared to cooperate with any meaningful objective um, reinvestigation, and I am. And how that will work, I'm not quite sure. I'm waiting from um, the, the guards when they will, want to set up a meeting. So I, it won't be this week, that's for sure. I don't know whether it'll be next week. It'll be fairly soon, I'm, I'm sure, because they'll want to progress the, the review. And I'm keen to assist them. Ian, can we talk about the, the situation in France? Because you're still a very much a condemned man over there, aren't you? Well, yeah, I mean, we, every, everybody knows this. I was bonfired on a pyre of lies, such were the statements that had been, um, you know, uh, collected here, which had, many of them had been rejected and withdrawn. And yet the French still went ahead and used that as bona fide evidence, which, uh, and the evidence they used against me to convict me would have been thrown out of an Irish court um, without any doubt at all. But, you know, the French are the French. They, they have their Bonaparte code of law, uh, and they think they're, um, you know, I think they think they're sort of more rather superior to maybe the Irish system, which is a, a nonsense. But Ian, Sophie's family are still very much hurting from what happened to, yeah, to I know. Sophie. Yeah, well, look, listen, I, look, you know, this was a terrible thing that happened. It had nothing to do with me a quarter of a century ago. 
But I mean, there are many victims in this. You have the a primary victim, Madame de Plantier, you know, bless her and rest in peace. Then you have the family, secondary victims. And then you have myself and Jules, very much secondary victims. And then you've got the community because it completely split. And probably still, there's a split there, probably still to this day, you know, between those who chose to believe the false narrative and those who chose to believe my, my, my story, you know. And would you have anything, any words for, for Sophie's family now? Well, I've, 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 I've constantly expressed my sympathy to them throughout, you know, the years. And I am sympathetic to their position. And it must be, you know, it can't be easy for them. But, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I have nothing to do with this. One might ask then, Ian, why, why stay in an area where you, you feel you have been um, f- falsely blamed? Well, I mean, it was never going to go away. You know, I mean, I, I was, I, people said to me, why didn't you move away? Well, I mean, initially I can remember having this very strong, you, you get a sort of, I guess it's adrenaline, and you get a sort of fight or flight uh, response. And I, my, my decision and response always was to fight you know if i'd have gone anywhere else this would still be going on and I, and having said that i've had an enormous amount of support from the lovely wonderful people of ireland and west cork in particular and sophie's um murder ian is always in the headlines we're always discussing it in some shape or form of well, the media like, do you know what i equated to in just to use a metaphor it's like a um a sort of um fire like in the, in the bogs and it, every now and again it flares up and will, you know, like last week it flared up again and then it goes quiet again and then it's been a bit of a roller coaster, right, to be honest. Well, what I would like before I'm, I pass into the next realm is for somebody to just acknowledge the fact it was nothing to do with me, that I was, I was in effect, a, in whatever you want to call it, um, that false narrative was created. It, my, my, my prayer has always been, my longing prayer, and I think Jules's as well, the truth would come out, and the truth being that I have nothing to do, and Jules had nothing to do with this, this case. I don't know, I just want the truth to come out, and if anything that I can do, and if I can assist the guards in that end, then that's really all I can do. And do you have any idea what that truth is? I don't know. I mean, obviously, clearly, she wasn't killed by a horse, which was one theory that was put around. Somebody knows somewhere knows about this. It's my belief that there are people in Ireland who know an authority who know that I have nothing to do with it. Um, whether the you know identity of the perpetrator will ever come out, I don't know. It, you know, they could well be dead. I mean, one one theory down here is it was a man who was from Bantry or Kerry and Bantry that he was involved but he died in 2001 and there's no proof um there you, to use the metaphor again it, there, there are so many pieces of the jigsaw missing it's impossible to put a, the, the whole picture together and yet we still have all these stories um you know allegedly linking you to the scene to to well, the crime I mean, itself actually, when you when you analyze them there's nothing there you know, there was, now, as we know, a lady was persuaded to uh, falsely identify me as being, I don't know, two or three miles away from the scene. Um, but that, that turned out to be a, a, a piece of erroneous information, which she subsequently withdrew. Uh, and yet, you know, when the file went to France, her evidence was read into evidence, even though she'd long retracted the statements. 
But Ian, it was reported in the Sunday Independent that a woman living overseas has given evidence to the Gardaí alleging she saw you attempting to clean and potentially even dispose of blood-stained clothing at your home the day after the French filmmaker was found murdered. What do you make of that? Yeah, well, this is the reference to, right. So, I mean, this is interesting. And I mean, your your listeners and readers. And so the the way this happened is I'd agreed to cooperate with Jim Sheridan. Jim Sheridan had sold his idea of the cooperation with me to Netflix or to, to the BBC. And then the woman from the BBC went to Netflix and commissioned a man called Simon Chin to make the documentary. It was Jim's idea in the first place. And they set out to make a rival documentary to his. Now, back of, at the time of Christmas 1996, we had a full house. Uh, Jules had three daughters. Uh, and one of the daughters brought a friend along with her, an Italian girl. Uh, she was a guest in the house. Now, the Netflix production team somehow persuaded the Italian girl to make a statement saying that she had seen in a bucket in the bathroom a black coat. Absolute nonsense. A total lie. She lives in America now. She subsequently withdrew that statement, suggesting that that is new evidence or evidence to sustain her. Uh, and Ian Bailey did it um, line. It, it's, it's nonsense. Senan Maloney, political correspondent at the Irish Independent. You've just heard Ian Bailey speak with me there. What did you make of what he has to say in terms of seeking justice? Yes, I, I, I heard Ian and he's continuing to make his uh, his claim, over, which he has asserted over 25 years, that he had nothing uh, to do uh, with this case. And, you know, and also saying that any um, any alleged evidence would be slung out of, a, uh, of an Irish court. Um, it should be remembered that um, Ian Bailey uh, was twice in an Irish court, uh, once of his own volition, uh, actually both times of his own volition in relation to the Sophie murder. In 2003, he brought libel actions against seven newspapers uh, and failed in them all, apart from a, um, a technical finding in relation to two newspapers, which had nothing to do with the uh, Sophie case, but had to do with his previous marriage, uh, which ended in divorce. On those cases, uh, there was statements um, given by local witnesses who all came forward. So when Ian Bailey says, you know, quote, I was uh, bonfired on a pyre of lies. Um, what he's saying, uh, in effect, to my mind, is that the people of West Cork who came forward of their own volition and gave statements to the Gardaí are liars. Uh, so um, that's one of his problems. Also in relation to the 2003 libel case, um, there, was, um, there were readings given from his personal diaries, which horrified and appalled the listeners, including the judge in that case, who at the conclusion of the evidence had uh, had no compunction in saying on the court record that he believed Ian Bailey was a violent man. Um, and Mr. Bailey hasn't referred to his past attacks on Jules Thomas, uh, his partner, in, in that interview. Uh, Ian Bailey has made himself a suspect largely out of his own mouth, not, not just those diaries, but also in, in cases of a dozen um, claimed confessions that he made to individuals, some at parties where he became emotional and tearful, or other times when giving a lift to a young boy. And these people came forward to the Gardaí of their own volition. Uh, and uh, we also had testimony 
for instance, from a news editor who said that he had confessed to the murder for, for, uh, to her and said he had done it so that he could have a story to write. Um, and Ian has said that these were occasions where, where he has ad- admitted that uh, incriminatory uh, confessions were made from his own mouth. He has said that these were instances of black humour, but then the question arises as to why you would uh, repeat your mistake by engaging in, in black humour again. I, I, I thought he was very scant in, 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 in his expressions of, of sympathy um, for the family of Sophie Toscan Duplantier. Um, it's a remarkable fact that uh, while this poor woman had her head obliterated by more than 50 blows and, in fact, was overkilled on that savage night, um, that Mr. Bailey has been um, inserting himself uh, you know, into the case continuously over the past two and a half decades. And m- many people might take the view that this is a case of just continuously turning the knife in the wound. You put it to him as to, as to why he didn't um, move, move away if he had nothing to do with this. Why not? Make your denial. You only need to make a denial once. You know, you, you've never been brought to an Irish court uh, and live a, a, a quiet life, which would reflect, in fact, the you know the solemnity of what took place. And his response to you was interesting. My inclination from the first was to fight. He said. Um, he he said that in the context of you know one would either have a fight or flight uh, response. That was his contention, and he said my inclination from the first. Uh, was to was to fight. Um, he he has also said that there was no destruction of evidence, as as is alleged in some quarters, presumably referring to himself. But that is the specific allegation in relation to bloodied clothes that has now been made uh, by two people now, uh, one of whom is a very elderly man who came forward last year uh, and is making an allegation in relation to an alleged confession by a woman to him personally um, um, in Ballylickie in 2001, at a time when Ian Bailey was in Cork Prison um, on remand for an attack on his partner, Jules Thomas, uh, of which he was subsequently convicted. Now, um, Mr. Bailey also refers to a a possible corroboration of this uh, by a woman living overseas who says also now for the first time that she um, saw Ian Bailey and mentions bloody clothes in the same context. Uh, Mr. Bailey has identified this uh, person as Ariana Borina because he calls her the Italian girl who was staying with them at the time. And indeed, Ariana Borina um, appeared on the Netflix documentary and was staying um, at the prairie in Lescaja outside Skull at the time of the murder in 1996. He says that um, Mr. Bailey said on your on your podcast there that um, um, that Miss Borina was coerced into this uh, filmed on screen um, uh, account about um, clothes that were soaking, and that uh, this happened at a time when, when she was emotionally vulnerable. Well, again, applying the once bitten twice shy rule, one might ask um, how it is that uh, Miss Borina, on foot of the Netflix um, documentary being interviewed by the Gardaí in the United States would then give a second statement. Um, is she again being coerced by the Gardaí? Is she again emotionally vulnerable? How can she um, be giving two statements of this type? So I think um, your your interview with uh, Ian Bailey throws up 
whole range uh, of new questions. And Senan, one of those questions concerns his claims around the coercion and that Netflix documentary, which you've since followed up on. What have you found? Yes, I spoke to the director of the Netflix uh, series uh, last night, and that's uh, John Dower. Um, I put it to him what uh, Ian Bailey was saying about Ariana Borina being coerced into appearing in his series. And he told me, with deleting an expletive, it is absolutely and completely untrue. He says she was happy to talk to us. She was interviewed remotely in Southern California, near Santa Barbara, where she now lives. Uh, and because it was the time of COVID, he said it was just a cameraman who, inter- who was filming her with an audio link uh, back to London. And she was interviewed at an Airbnb because she has children at home. So the claim of coercion and the claim that she was emotionally vulnerable are, are not supported by the circumstances uh, in his view. And he brands Mr. Bailey's claim an outrageous and totally untrue uh, assertion. Uh, he also says that he interviewed Miss Barina because she had previously provided a sworn statement to the uh, French trial that resulted in Mr. Bailey's conviction for Sophie's murder. Uh, he says she was happy to cooperate um, with the French in 2019, according uh, to Mr. Dara, and with Netflix a year later. And Mr. Dara says that, in fact, she told him that she wishes she had come forward years before. And my thanks to Senan Maloney, political correspondent at the Irish Independent and Ian Bailey. I'm Siobhan McGuire and today's episode of the Indo Daily was presented and produced by myself, researched by Tabitha Monaghan and Garrett Mulhall, recording and sound design by John Smith. Archive clips from RTE News and Netflix. If you like the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.